Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a rather special edition of the Talking Chop Podcast. Technically, it's episode 327, but who cares? The Atlanta Braves have won the World Series for the first time in 26 years. Ironically, it was game six. It was a shutout. That seems pretty familiar to me and a lot of Braves fans everywhere, but clearly a celebratory tone this evening. And I am joined by both of my co-hosts, Scott Coleman and Eric Cole. Hello, gentlemen. Let us talk about everything that transpired let's go uh i will say uh the other than the frankly numerous references to shutouts in game six in the world series and all that uh, i'm pretty happy personally that it was a little bit more run support in this one as opposed to the last one because uh if this had gone 1-0 to the ninth inning i'm reasonably certain that multiple members of the braves fan base would have died from strokes but uh that's not what happened i'm uh. I'm overjoyed. <laughs> Scott included, apparently. With that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all would have. I think we all would have been deceased. And you know, I'm. I have just a ton of emotions going through right now. I mean, I was 11 years old when they last won a World Series, and I am decidedly not 11 years old anymore. And I'm thinking about all that time that's passed, and I'm thinking about you know what this has meant for a lot of people who don't remember the last World Series win and. Yeah, um, was thinking about you know being so excited to come on here and talk with you guys about it because I mean I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, it, it it's it's very surreal to me at the moment. Yeah, these are the nights that as fans you dream about, and it, what a team, what a crazy last seven or eight months it's been. Just so many downfalls along the way. I thought Freddie Freeman said it perfectly in his post game interview that. This team hit every roadblock and speed bump imaginable along the way. But here they are. This team finally, they finally put it together at the end of the year. Just an incredible run through the playoffs to beat Milwaukee, Los Angeles, and Houston. Three very, very good and very deep teams. And not only did they win, but they dominated. I mean, every series, they felt like they were the better team. And it's just a yep. remarkable testament to exactly that just how much of a team this was every night someone different seemed to step up uh everybody from eddie rosario and freddie freeman to the bullpen heroes to austin riley and dansby swanson who had some huge hits and uh just just an incredible story and and just a, a magical night and glad to be here with you guys and everyone listening uh these uh this is the reason you do the podcast we did a lot of podcasts when the team was not very good <laughs> And you get to do it after winning the World Series tonight. It's it's pretty special. 
It is. This is. Uh, it's crazy. You and I, like, all, all three of us, talked for a while before we started recording. Uh, we're all kind of in a weird place. It's not going to be the most polished podcast we've ever done. Not that it's always that polished anyway, but certainly not the most polished podcast tonight. I'm kind of uh, at a loss and also just feeling everything, like like Eric said. So we'll get into what we get into. But you know, we we've said it a number of times, but it is worth emphasizing. Scott got into it a second ago for uh, at least briefly, but this is a Braves team that was not supposed to do this. Uh, they were obviously nope. considered considered contenders before the season started. That's that's certainly the case, but uh, it's not every day or every year or every decade that you get a World Series champion that was under 500 in August, and that happened with this team. Um, they had, as we've discussed multiple times, they had single-digit playoff odds. Not World Series odds, playoff odds for a while this season because of how rough it had been going both in the standings and with the injuries and everything else that transpired, they got hot. And, uh, you know, credit will go to everyone uh, across the board from players to Brian Snicker to Alex Anthopoulos. And, I, I mean, previous regimes, all the all that stuff can be attributed. But the overhaul at the deadline, you know, making this team into what it ended up being is obviously noteworthy. And then at the end, very, very fittingly, the last out was caught by Freddie Freeman, who was the, the the through line of all of it. Freddie's the face of the franchise, has been the guy, longest tenure member of the franchise, all that stuff. Um, to have you know a lifer of a manager and that player catch the final out, stick the ball in his pocket before celebrating, and all that fun stuff. Just you know everything flowing in, and also we haven't said the name of Max Fried yet. Max Fried, by the way, how about that? How about Max oh, Fried tonight? Just putting putting his so onions on the table. Freaking good, man. I. Uh... It's the it's funny with Max, like you know, like coming off like a not a particularly great outing, and there was just a lot of talk about, you know, is he tipping his pitches? You know, what happens if he gets lit up again? If that means there's a game seven, which I predicted was going to happen, but now that we were kind of in game six, I had no interest in watching a game seven because that would have been to say terrifying would be an understatement having to do that in Houston. And he went out there and he didn't just like do his job. He shoved and, you know, asking a young guy like that, like who's just never been in that position before to do that. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. Well, and like, <laughs> he got his ankle spiked in the first I mean, inning. This dude. And it, and it, it seemed like it only made him mad. Yeah. I mean, it was almost like, right. Like, Oh my gosh. Well, what a night for Max. I'm sure. I mean, he, the camera kept zooming in on him during those middle innings. He had the face of a man who was not going to be denied. I mean, he was just peppering the strike zone. He had everything working really for the first time in the entire playoffs. He had everything working. He was locating the Houston hitters had no real chance. I mean, they, they put those two guys on in the first inning on, on a, a weak single and then a weird fluke play at first and after that, man, just there was no stopping Max. And what a performance, a legendary performance, a, a night uh, that we will talk about for a long, long time uh, when the Braves needed him to be at his very best, especially after a tough game five. He went out there and threw pretty close to six perfect innings, never gave Houston a chance. And it was as dominant of a performance as you can ask for, given the circumstance. Yeah, we'll talk about 
a couple things that happened in the game, of course. Uh, we will not uh, totally throw out our usual rundown. I'm not going to discuss any of my editing because that's just insane, even for us. But uh, I, I will say, we started talking about this before we started recording, and I think you both mentioned it. Uh, now, that, now, that, now that it's over, we can say this. Isn't it insane that this was kind of not competitive? Uh, the fact that it, I know we were all terrified. Uh, I, I'm, I'm an Atlanta sports fan. I was terrified the entire time. Uh, but the fact that it was, you know, nothing really went wrong um, when it was supposed to go wrong on the on the playbook of what happens. Uh, it just kind of never happened. I mean, uh, aside from the the laugh out loud moments of, you know, the Jock Peterson, like half sliding catch that was kind of a near disaster. Mm -hmm. And then Will Smith allowing the leadoff, the leadoff runner in the ninth was, was chef's kiss in every way. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's crazy that there was never even a moment when it started like teetering at right. all i mean you it was it was literally the way, the way you would draw it up it was max free max free dominates tyler Massick dominates will smith closes the door and you're up by several runs from the moment that jorge soler unloads into the night and that was kind of it yeah it was as stress-free as a night when you can win the world series can be right like uh, third inning jorge soler hits that three-run homer and everyone was feeling awesome especially the way max was throwing but it's a three-run lead we know how quickly those can go away and then two innings later dansby homers makes it five nothing freddie doubles six nothing and freddie homers again seven nothing and i was going through the game log i don't think other than that first inning houston never really had any kind of a rally um of course no matter what the score could have been 15 to nothing and i think everyone in the back of their minds was like okay it's it's not over yet we got to get to the finish line here uh, but as far as World Series winning games go. This was uh, this was enjoyable. I think uh, all Braves fans out there for their mental health appreciated a game that was as low stress as you can realistically have. Yeah, I'm pretty much all set on like really close, crazy <laughs> postseason games. Uh, I mean, like the Dodgers series started off with back to back walk off wins, and then there was like a big comeback, and there were like multiple really tight games in this series. It was nice to just not have to worry too much. Honest, honestly, the runs were a big part of kind of like keeping, you know, keeping the general calm. But for me personally, I knew that the Braves were running good and I felt the best was on that last strikeout that Freed had where Darno, against all odds, actually made a throw that landed in a glove to get the, on the drop strike three. To get to get him at first, I was like, "We're in. That's it. Is that we can do no wrong now?" Because you know, when when that guy can make a throw, uh, considering what he's done this postseason behind the plate, or at least controlling the running game, you know, like I, it was just kind of one of those moments where I was just like, "Yeah, that's the the Braves are running good," and you know, there wasn't any weird stuff behind the plate, and you know, the time like what Brad mentioned was that you know when it could have gone wrong, it didn't. And where it really could have gone wrong is that first thing on that play at, at first where, like, Max gets, you know, stomped on by Brantley. And some people were calling that dirty. I mean, like, I think that Brantley was just trying to make it to first. And, like, it was a weird, yeah. awkward, it was a weird, it was a weird, awkward play. But, like, that right there, I mean, we saw Charlie Morton get hit by a line drive that none of us thought was going to be a big deal, and it broke his leg. And that's where things really could have gone sideways. And, you know, it did. We, they lost their best starter. And right there, if Max gets hurt right there this could have gone really really badly but he was fine and not only was he fine he like it was like being bitten by a radioactive spider over there 
and he went wild for six innings and you know all of a sudden it went from what could have been a really tight game where things could have gone wrong to just it wasn't it was just it was perfect yeah that's uh that's well said (laughs) um and you know the funny thing is you go back to that first inning and we'll spend a couple seconds here um the fact that it didn't break the wrong way. You know, there was the whole debate about whether it should have been, a, it should have been challenged by Snit. It should have been, uh, whether it should have been called an out or not. It was all stuff that would have been, you know, added to the canon in some respects if they had got, gave up runs in the inning. But as soon as that happened, Max became superhuman essentially. And it didn't matter. Um, he hit 98.4 miles an hour yeah. with, with a fastball on the inning, which was the fastest pitch of the season for Max Fried. Right well, that, that has happens. to be that has to be maybe the hardest pitch he's thrown at the big league level. Like he, somebody he had some, somebody had him. At, uh, somebody, I think it was yeah, I think it was third uh-huh. fastest ever. But even wow. then, yeah, like you could just. I mean, I know you guys both referenced like his his mindset and the way that he was just like even looking physically on the mound, like he was just dialed in. But between that and just the adrenaline to be heaving at that level right after you, obviously he's not hurt, hurt, but you know. He clearly was giving it everything he had tonight. By the end, and we'll get there. Uh, he was not. He was not able to throw his normal velocity. He was definitely slowing down. But just the, the greediness, the guttiness, however you want to say that, to uh, be able to immediately respond, shut that inning down, and set the tone for the rest of the night yep. was uh, enormous. We'll, say well and if you look back on his start in game two, we all know that second inning was it was bad, but it was just so unlucky. Again, it wasn't like he gave up four home runs and it's like, man, Max just doesn't have it. It was an unlucky inning. And after that, he was pretty close to perfect. I mean, he was he had his A1 stuff. And then tonight he had his A1 stuff from the get go, really didn't give give up any kind of hard contact. He kept the Astros hitters off uh, and it's a very good and deep lineup, as we saw. I think it's worth mentioning. We talked about this in the preview podcast and in the, the broadcast was talking about it a little bit and people on social. Uh, I think tonight in this series, really in, in as a whole, the Braves pitching staff was phenomenal in this series. As we know, the Astros on paper were the best offense in the league this year and one through nine, there are no easy outs. And then you throw in guys like Martin Maldonado suddenly becoming Babe Ruth and it was just an incredible performance one through however many guys were on the roster who, who got into games. Um, we saw what Houston did to the white Sox and what Houston did to the red Sox. And they put up big time numbers and other than game five, which was kind of weird as we, as we know uh, the pitching staff shoved and that's, it's worth saying, especially losing Charlie Morton. Uh, what what Tyler Matzik and the the bullpen guys did Will Smith with a zero ERA uh, as we have, as we have noted on this podcast just an incredible job by that group and the offense did its job most nights and the pitching staff was was really really consistent. They allowed two runs or fewer in ten of sixteen playoff games, which is wow. insane. Yeah. And then when you factor in, you know, you talk about Houston Houston's offense. Houston scored. Uh, Two runs, zero runs, two runs, and zero runs in four of the games. And that's just wild. And it wasn't as if they had their full complement. You know, Charlie Morton wasn't around for very long in the series. Mm-hmm. And then uh, game three and game four, uh, you know, game four in particular was a bullpen game that they, that they held in the two runs. And then tonight, Max just shoved. So 
it wasn't even just this series. The, I mean, the Dodgers got him, got him a couple times, but they dominated the Brewers pitching-wise. They largely dominated the Astros pitching-wise. And I don't know about you guys, but before this playoff run began, if you told me, this is our favorite construct, I know, but if you told me that they win the World Series, I would not have guessed it was going to be uh, – Heavily driven by the pitching. Obviously, the pitching has been has been fine this season, but this is this was an offense first team before the playoffs. Uh, and every metric, the offense was better than the defense and the rubber mention. And uh, that really wasn't the case in the playoffs. It was it was the pitching, and in particular, the bullpen that was uh, just nails the entire way. Yeah, it was pretty much. I mean, it was pretty much the trade deadline acquisitions and the pitching staff holding things down. And it's wild to me to think about it th- that way because. Like the Brewers' offense was not good. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Like that doesn't seem that weird to me that they would like be able to like hold that offense down, right? And I think we all were in agreement that that we just thought the Braves were a better team, regardless of what people thought about Corbin Burns and Brendan Woodruff, who are very good pitchers. But you know, when you don't really have an offense, you still like your chances, right? The two best offenses in the playoffs and in the league period, the Braves held down. And that speaks to not only the quality of the pitching. I mean, I know we're talking about the World Series and and all that, but I will never in my life forget what Tyler Matzik did against the Dodgers and where he had to be perfect. And he struck out three batters on 11 pitches. Like, in, in, in an impossible position to not give up a run there. And he just did it. And then he went out and went against two other hitters. You could argue that was the moment of the season. Uh, I, I know yeah. that it, it might be hard to do that when you win the World Series and that wasn't in the World Series, but you, you really could make an argument that that was the single biggest moment of the season yeah. was Matzik coming in and slamming the door in that spot, in, a, in an impossible spot, the way you describe it. You know, obviously you could make an argument for other things too, like, you know, Jorge Soler's absolute moonshot tonight might have been the moment of the season as well because that, that ends up being the World Series winning swing. From Solaire, which it wasn't. I don't think that ball's landed. I mean, all right, let's talk about this for a second. Solaire, the only thing that I thought of, and I know I'm old, but immediately I thought of Pujols off Bradledge in 2005. Same ballpark, same spot, iconic. And that and that swing has been talked about nationally for 15 years. And I don't know if this is going to get that same kind of play, but man, Jorge Solaire, we've we've joked and not joked about how hard he hits the baseball, and that was on full display for the guy who, you know, eventually became the World Series MVP and shouts to him. He earned it. He slugged 800, slugged oh. 800 in the series, by the good. way. Good. Slugged wow. 800 in the Pretty series. Pretty good. Pretty including, good. Including, and this is the money, I mean, beyond that, the money stat for Soler is that he had three go-ahead home runs in the World Series. Three. Mm. All three home runs that he hit were of the go-ahead variety. You know, famously the back-to-back with Dansby, etc. But that swing, uh, it wasn't over at the time by any means. It's the third inning. You're only up by three, but that ended, that ended up being the game that you know was game slash series slash championship winner, and uh, kind of fitting that it was a addition midseason. Kind of fitting that it was just an on brand swing for the guy who is known for just tomahawking the baseball and all of that stuff. But uh, that was the moment that they won the. I guess they won the World Series. Hmm. I mean, what more can you say about these trade deadline acquisitions, and especially? We, we know how Eddie Rosario single-handedly carried the lineup against the Dodgers. Jorge Soler was pretty close to doing that in the World Series. Um, that's a great stat. I mean, I, I can only imagine looking at 
um, like Elias sports. The last time somebody had three go ahead home runs in the world series. I don't know if it's ever happened before. Uh, that'd be, that'd be a good one to look up, but that ball was just incinerated. It was hit not only out of the park, but there's, I guess, like a closed off part of downtown Houston where nobody could go in. Um, I think Jeff Passan of ESPN has a, a photo of the baseball and there is a gigantic mark on the side of the ball. Uh, presumably not, not surprised at all where to, Jorge hit it. I mean, that ball was right into his bat path. He destroyed, I mean, there was, you talk about a no doubter. I don't know if there's been many no doubt home runs quite like that one all year long. This is a, uh, this is a podcast of the diehards in a lot of ways. I have to stop you and just mention that that's friend of the podcast, Jeff Passan, your arch nemesis. I, just want to mention that. <laughs> I was about to say, is he a friend of the podcast? He's a friend of me and Eric and not a friend well, of Well, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. No, he, uh, uh, <laughs> I died. So the Atlanta Braves can live last October is, is how we're going to leave that. That one. is accurate. <laughs> and, uh, while we're here, I, I did appreciate that Scott managed to sneak in a tiger woods gift to his world series celebration tweet. Uh, it wouldn't absolutely, be, absolutely. yeah, it wouldn't be fitting without, full, without full tiger full yeah. circle on that. That was uh incredible stuff. And if you're a new, if you're a new Braves fan, you will uh, look that up at some point, I would say. Uh, all right, before we talk about the rest of the goings on from this night, and I know we're just all over the place, but that's, that's the fun we're having tonight. Uh, let's break for a second and hear from the sponsors. We'll be right back to celebrate some more. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, fellas. I guess we should talk about the other production in this game briefly, um, which was largely the fifth inning. Dansby hits a two-run homer off the top of the tro- of the Crawford boxes. Uh, there was this awesome video of Ronnie celebrating. For some reason, Ronnie was standing on the field. Did you guys see this video? Like, uh, yep. They weren't I, stopping Ronnie. No, nope. I, I mean, I, I, I just don't know why he was there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not objecting, but maybe it was uh, because he was trying to stretch his legs or something because he's got the, you know, I don't know. But uh, Ronnie's literally standing on the field from the angle that we're seeing that at uh, Dansby, Dansby Bombs. And as soon as he hit it, Ronnie has his hands in the air because he knew it was gone. That was a funny thing and an awesome moment because it was cool to just see him there. You know, Cunha was the best player on this team for the first half of the season. That's uh, kind of, I may mean, not easy to forget, but because he was gone for so long now, like he was on an MVP trajectory. And again, they won this without him, which is just nuts. Um but not, that not just not just him. Yeah, they're like well, not just him, him, but you know, obviously he was the biggest absence because again, he was probably the MVP of the league when he went down. That's nuts. But yeah, that that after a leadoff walk by by Ozzy, who Ozzy was good tonight. Like, is no one no one cares now? I don't think in terms of overall. But Ozzy was getting picked on a lot yesterday. Yeah. Moves moves down in the lineup. Moves down in the lineup. Ends up scoring on this. Got a single later on this, that he scored on. Uh, actually, no. He started. Then he start the rally. Yeah, he started the rally. Yeah, he, the, st- uh, he started both rallies. Both he rallies. got on in so, the scored third. A pair of runs. Yeah, before Jorge's homer, and then how, he got how on. How about that? Full circle. Because yeah. he'd been, he'd, he'd been brutal. I mean, we're very pro Ozzy. He's he's an awesome player, but he's he'd been brutal for like two weeks basically, and uh, not tonight. But, but you just you had to hope that Ozzy would have his moment, and maybe he didn't have the heroic home run that's going to get replayed 
a million times by us, but he, he was, he was very much in the middle of all the rallies tonight, getting dropped down to seventh. Again, I, I don't think, uh, I, I think it was the right move at the time. I thought the lineup tonight was really, really good the way that it was built. Um, and it was really nice for a guy who obviously he hasn't been here quite as long as Freddie, but Ozzy is one of the longer tenured players on this team coming up in, I believe what mid 2017, uh, he was, that's wild. Certain, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, he's, he's the vet he is. Um, and I think it's, it's weird. Cause we, he, I mean, he's still a young man and we think of him as being so young and joyful. Um, and for him to have a nice night tonight, again, he's not going to get any headline articles written about him, but he had a really good game was a key cog in the middle of the order tonight and, and got on base. And I was really happy for Ozzy. I think, he, uh, there was a great moment where he was sticking his face on the on-field camera. Did you guys <laughs> I see about, I that? about that. Yes, I did. Um, see that. Yeah. He, it was it was great for Ozzy. He's obviously such a tremendous guy and always has a smile on his face. So I'm I'm glad that he was able to have a, an impact on the game tonight. One of Eric's sons, prospect baby. Oh, one of many. I actually uh, once things were seemingly more in hand, uh, and also as kind of a way to kind of deal with my anxiety over the whole situation, I went through the 40 man roster other than obviously like guys who, you know, like were signed as like basically quad a players and, you know, they're either currently on the roster or whatever. We did regular minor league recaps on 21 players on the 40 man roster. And, you know, that speaks to kind of like this team wasn't just like, you know, kind of bought in free agency. I mean, there's a lot of, building blocks and development that happened and it happened on all over the place. I mean, you don't have to look that far, that far to, to find just like how important the Braves player development and their drafts and their international you know, free agents. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the entire infield was developed by the Braves. They weren't, there was not a, a, a quote unquote, a trade other than like the pick that became Austin Riley. You know, they got these guys and they developed them with the notable exception of Dansby. But Dansby was what in Arizona system for one year. I think not, they, not even like, wasn't yeah, it like, I mean, well, I think he got drafted and he went through rookie ball or whatever, but they developed all these guys. And then you look at the pitching staff. I mean, again, Max Fried was a trade acquisition, but he had not pitched that much in the Padres organization. He was coming off Tommy John surgery and they bring a guy like that who's coming off an injury and he bring him all the way to the situation where in game six of the world series, he throws six to shut out innings. And, you know, for me, I mean, I, I look, I'm I'll, I'll die on the Hill that I'll, I love my minor league guys. And, you know, <laughs> it's been, it's been the pleasure of a lifetime to like get to know some of them and to cover all of them and, you know, to see them contribute and to see the team doing well you know, having known what those guys had to go through to get to this point and how, I mean, baseball's brutal, man. I mean, like, imagine, like, how many, like, just look how many first-round picks just never see the major leagues. I mean, there's just, that happens with regularity. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to see what the Braves were able to do to build this roster and then fill out the the, the holes that they needed to fill out at the trade deadline. And this was the, this is all of it. This was, you know, the front office doing their jobs and understanding what they, this team needed and knowing which two guys to hang on to and to stick with. I mean, before the season, people were wondering, you know, who were they going to replace Austin Riley with at third base? 
Can anyone on planet Earth right now imagine the Braves replacing Austin Riley at third base anytime in the near future right now? No. The answer is no. And, you know, that's it's really special. It yeah, is. It is. It is extra sweet when it's a bunch of guys that you've, I mean, really you've, you've watched grow up and uh, we've been doing this podcast yep. for years. And I know all of us have been writing about the team for years. I mean, heck, I, my first article with talking chop was in 2009 with Martin Gandy. That, that's the throwback, right? So we've, we've seen some good and some bad over those last 12 years. Um, and a bit of bad there for a while. And uh, as we've seen, and as we've talked about on this podcast, uh, there were some really bad times for this organization, trading away Jason Hayward and Justin Upton and, and Evan Gaddis and, you know, fan favorites like that for the rebuild. It was tough. And Kimbrough. I think everyone, yeah, I think everyone knew deep down that it was the right move to make. You can't, uh, they couldn't have, have continued the way it was going. Uh, it's tough to, to rebuild. And as John Coppolella, we'd be remiss not to give Coppy a shout out because he was such an important part of building this team. But as he said in a, a great radio interview once, the reason teams don't rebuild is because it is bleeping miserable. And it takes some stones to go all in as an organization, as a uh, from a business end to, to rebuild too. That's a big part of it. You know that if you're selling everyone away, you're not going to sell as many tickets, Right. For them to do this and to build with so many young players, hey, you take a World Series however you can get it, but to build it with so many of these young, homegrown players and then add in some veterans along the way to help, uh, it really does make it that much more special. Yeah, I mean, it's the journeys that I don't, I don't cover the minor leagues and neither does Scott as much as uh, Eric and everybody does, but you know, there's kind of every possible journey from what from Eric and the guys watching them come up through the system and then once they get there you know guys like guys you know freddie in particular you know freddie's been with the braves in the majors since 2011 that's that's a full decade and was the face of the franchise most of that time and you know we'll get into snit later on um who i know we've not always like agree with the baseball stuff with snit but like there's a reason why snit is beloved and i, I said this on twitter but i'll say it again here he, he takes the trophy and uh <laughs> basically thanks and praises everyone but himself. Uh, and I thought that was not an accident. You know, he, he had a little moment there where he, he th you know, he thanked his wife was celebrating for sure. And, and that's a very human thing, but he immediately then turned it around and was praising everybody else. And that's, that's a, that was a cool thing to see and kind of a, a validation of everything that he's brought as well. So, I mean, I don't know if there's any like avenues we can go down and we'll, we'll save some of them, I'm sure. But uh, I thought it was also fitting on, on top of uh, the last out being caught by Freddie uh, that the last two runs were also created by Freddie, both yeah. on a double on the fifth and then the uh, the homer in the seventh. And the homer in the seventh, I mean, it was already, it was in hand. Uh, as we talked about before, I was not comfortable at that point in time. But hmm. they uh, they were in a good position, clearly, to be up, up by six and have Freddie bomb there. It's just like one of those design it in a lab moments. And uh, that was that was very, very fun. Yeah, it felt right. And again, every run, like I think even when it was seven nothing, we all wished it was seventeen to nothing. But uh it felt right. It did. There was it was just such just a end the game way. at that point. Just yeah. end the game, please. Right. Can we fast forward or can I can I just <laughs> just, uh, uh, just just have the rain come? It's fine. Like, you know, they won't get get that dome closed in time. It's fine. Yeah. Uh power goes out. I don't know. Whatever it takes to end that game right then and there. But you're right. I mean, it was such a it, 
it's funny how the game is poetic and the old line, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Uh, there was th- this tonight really did kind of play out like a Disney movie in a lot of ways. Oh, it really did. Um, okay. Before we go to like back to broad stuff and talk about the, the very, very end, uh, we, we did mention Max Fried, but I want to make sure we spend a few more minutes on him. You know, there was the discussion about taking him out, um, which I, you know, it's one of the I'm glad it didn't matter at all. I, I was okay with when they, with when they pulled him, and he, he he seemed to be a little bit tired at that point in time. And honestly, given the way what he had just been through, I think he even admitted it after the game in, in his interview. He was he was pretty cast. But six innings, four hits, no walks, six strikeouts, no earned runs, of course. And you know that that's a pantheon start. It's not it's not 1980 where the guy throws a complete game shutout. It's not quite Glavin in '95 where he threw eight. Uh, he threw eight scoreless, uh, but Max Fried, you know, for all time, he could be done now, and he'll be a legend in Brave circles, and he won't be he, he won't be done because he's a young, talented, awesome pitcher. But especially after the the way he pitched earlier in the series, you obviously knew he wanted to get back out there and get going. And you know, we, we've been pretty positive on Max, and you know, trusting him, and this is a big spot, and he was their best available option, and he went th- he went out there and just you know, I used the word already, but. A legendary performance is not overstating it. I use I sometimes use legendary as like a more of a funny kind of reference, but in this in this instance, I'm being 100 genuine. Max Free will live forever on that start. Yeah, and you know there was a lot of people, a lot of people in my mentions like you know let him go out there for the seventh, you know let him try to go for a complete game. First I get of it. all, <laughs> I get I mean, it. like I, I I look, I understand that that's what the story they want. They want to be able to like he did it just like Glavin or you know maybe you know he. He pulled up a, a Smoltz-like start. Look, if you were watching the game at all in that inning, I mean, he threw 22 pitches in that inning, and his fastball was down like 91, 92, maybe 93, and like his command was clearly faltering. You throw that many pitches combined with like some like lengthy kind of inning, like top halves of innings that kind of like sat him down for a while. He was done. You could just tell, and like I tweeted during the inning, I'm like, you really need to watch this because I'm not sure if he's, you know, he's going to be good enough. And he obviously got through the inning uh, with a, a bit of an assist from Travis Darno's arm. Um, good for one throw every season, it seems like. But he really gutted out that last inning. And, you know, people were like really upset, you know, like, and it wasn't just, you know, random 50 followers, you know, folks from Twitter. I mean, there was like a lot of like, media people were like, you know, like you, you have to let him go back out there and all this other stuff. And if you're watching that game, the, the last thing you want to do if you're the Braves is give the, is give the Astros an opening because yeah. that offense, like you can't make mistakes to them. And that's the one thing I think is we kind of haven't really talked a lot about is like the last two crazy good offenses, the Dodgers and the Astros. And I talked a bit about it during the Dodgers series and then kind of previewing this one is that the Braves clearly had a plan for how to deal with the key hitters in the Dodgers lineup. And in order to win this series, they were going to have to have key plans for key players in this Astros lineup. When did Jordan Alvarez do anything to scare anyone in this series? Like he had the triple off Matzik, which was kind of a miracle in of itself. Cause I didn't realize that man could make it to third base. Kyle Tucker. Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman. When did those guys do anything? 
Yeah, that's well said. No, nobody did. No. I mean, it was the, yeah. their offense had one good inning basically in, in the series, other, other than except know, except except, Mar- except Martin Maldonado, who apparently we can't get out. But who's, no, John, who's now who's now Johnny Bench at this point yeah. in time? Uh, no, you're right. It's it's wild. Uh, I'm just laughing at every time we talk about anything right now. I'm, yeah, the the one guy who consistently seemed to do damage was Michael Brantley, and even then it was singles and doubles. Michael Brantley is a tremendous veteran hitter, but you. Uh, Eric, I'm glad you said that. You're right. I mean, Jose Altuve hit 222. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, who was the ALCS MVP, and you, he was basically the Eddie Rosario of the Braves against the Dodgers for the Astros against the Red Sox. He did not make an out seemingly for a week against Boston. Uh, yeah, hit 100 other than a sliced single tonight against Matzik when the game was 7 nothing. It was his first hit since game one. I mean, that's how well they pitched these guys. Uh, the night shift, which is just an all-time name, they brought it. I think the left-handed. What what a name. Yeah. Good on Tyler Matzik. I hope he – I know for a fact Tyler Matzik is going to sleep and recover well these next few days because he has to be exhausted. Um, but the way, especially those left-handed arms out of the bullpen and then Luke Jackson too – those guys just made life truly hell for this Astros lineup. And, uh, and, and as we just said too, it wasn't like the Dodgers had a whole lot going either. Uh, this pitching staff was just tremendous these last few weeks. And as Eric said, they clearly had a great game plan to get these guys out. And I'm sure if you're a Houston fan, you're probably a little confused as to what happened uh, because they just scored so many runs against Boston. And they were, again, other than that fluky second inning in game two, and then just kind of the mess that was game five. They just really didn't get anything going. As you said, Brad, in the four games they lost, they scored a total of four runs, which is crazy. For that offense in particular, and I have some numbers now that it's been updated uh, on the Braves bullpen for the series. Uh, not, not, not just for the series. For, this is for the whole playoffs, which, again, this I know we're talking about the World Series, but this entire playoff run is worth documenting. For the whole playoff run, Will Smith, zero ERA in 11 outings. Uh, 11, 11 innings, six saves, five hits, three walks, eight strikeouts, lights out. Uh, I knew you were leading with Will. I knew you were. Had to, I mean, the 0.0. 0. I, I just sorted. I, I'm just, I'm a man of the people, Eric. I just sorted by, by year. <laughs> uh, William Michael Smith, everybody. Um, pick on him later on. By the way, I think we're at the point now, uh, and I'm sure this will not happen next season, but Will Smith is now in the no slander zone for a while. Thanks everybody for being here. The, the, uh, the, 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 night, the night shift gets a pass for a long for a while. You say that, Brad. You oh, say that, but he's going to give up. He's going to walk the first two batters he faces in 2022, and the world is going to be. On I, fire I totally again. agree. We'll we'll say that for then. But I, I'm just saying, uh, pre, I'm pre uh, preemptively saying that the uh, really really the entire bullpen, but especially these guys are uh, in the no slander zone. Uh, Tower Matzik, 13. Out of 16 games he pitched in, he threw 15 and two-thirds innings in the playoffs. 1.72 ERA, 24 strikeouts and 15 and two-thirds innings. Just outrageous stuff. Uh, Minter was great, a sub-three ERA in the playoffs. You know, even Luke, Luke Jackson had the one had the one blow-up, and that was basically it. He was awesome as well. Um, Jesse Chavez threw five and a third scoreless innings in the playoffs, by the way, quietly. Um, Chris Martin was good, a 2.08 yeah. ERA for Chris Martin in the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, all kinds of, you know, success, but it just was wild to go through some of these numbers as I, as we were talking and, uh, and do, do all the splits and everything and the, the bullpen, we can talk all about right. it all day, but 
the bullpen having like a a, a low two ZRA basically for the last second yeah. half of the playoffs, just crazy stuff. If um, if we're talking playoff MVP, so all three series, is it crazy to say that Tyler Matzik is the team MVP for the playoffs? He's my he, he's my vote. We like, had a we had a brief discussion uh, in in Slack when it was the game was at hand. We, we were definitely giving the giving the caveats and everything about like if it wasn't Solaire, who would it possibly be? And like the only name we could come up with Matt was Matzik. And it should have been Solaire. Like that was the right decision. He was ridiculous in the series. But even in just the series, he, you know, yes. The only other options I think for the full playoffs would be Freddie and Rosario. Um, yeah. Both those guys had over a thousand OPS for the for the playoffs. Freddie hit five home runs in sixteen games, uh, and was just had twelve walks, was just a ridiculous performance. Yeah, from and he had to walk player. off or almost walk off against Josh Hader too, which yeah. feels like. A lifetime ago, but yes, he had a huge hit. That and then, and then Rosario, you know, obviously was the NLCS MVP, but even yeah. the whole way through was really, really good. And yeah, but you could certainly argue for Matzik. I mean, that's for him to throw in 13 of the 16 games and throw multiple innings in, I think, like six or seven of those games. Yeah. Just a uh, heroic. If effort. you were like, if you were making a list of the top five, like key moments in the series, like in, in the playoffs period, I mean, there are some like really key go ahead home runs and stuff like that, but Matzik is heavily involved in making a lot of those even possible. Oh, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So like I like for me like it's almost like a runaway. Like I I'd, I'd vote for him and I wouldn't even blink. Night like, shift ready. That good. Night, Night shift shift's ready. ready. Uh, a legendary interview on, on top of the MVP case for Tyler Matzik. Um, you know, from there the game is what it is. You know, Matzik dominates. There's two innings by the way. Just lights out. Um, I don't even know what else we want to and he, and, he, and, he, and he was better in the eighth inning than he was in the seventh inning. He struck out the side in the eighth. There was like – Yeah, he just blew it game over. It was not even competitive. Um, you know, we talked about the game and what happened in the game. We've gone broad a couple times. Uh, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of heroes along the way here that we've talked about. And in the coming days, we'll spend some more time, I think, looking back at this season and, uh, you know, assigning credit – um, the players we've talked about, I think all of them, uh, at least at some point on this podcast, uh, I mentioned mm-hmm. Snit, but we, we should we should credit Snit uh, in a big yeah. way. You know, the steady hand stuff is it can be I poke fun of it at, at, at times, um, but there is a reason that he is beloved by the clubhouse, and that stuff does matter. I mean, I, I'm definitely a numbers guy. I think we are a numbers podcast a lot of the time, and definitely an, you know analytical and uh, baseball driven on the field stuff, but. Uh, particularly in baseball, when you're around each other every single day, uh, liking your manager, playing for your manager comes in handy. And it was uh, not an accident that guys like Freddie and, you know, immediately on the doing on-the-field interviews are just, you know, not even being mm-hmm. prompted about Snit and thanking Snit and really praising Snit. And, you know, it can be a, uh, a job that's that's thankless in a lot of ways. You know, we, we picked on him. We thought he had a bad night the other night. Like, that kind of stuff happens. But uh, for a lifer the way that he has been in the organization. He was not on the major league staff in, in 95, I don't believe. So, I mean, he was in the organization, but just the fact that he was around for that. And uh, clearly you saw the joy. Like he said, he was numb after the game. Like mm-hmm. it was just, it was moving to me uh, as someone who is not always moved in that way to see him propped up and uh, praised and lauded for all he did. Yeah. Well, and just by all accounts, baseball aside, just seems like a, 
genuine as genuine of a human being as you're going to find by all I mean, accounts yep. there is literally not a single person around the game of baseball who will say a bad word about snit and i thought it was a really nice moment they were interviewing uh, ozzy albies after the game and they asked him what does brian snitker mean to you and in this organization he said he's he's the same guy every single day and these are things that you and I and, and fans never get to see. Of course, we're not sitting in that clubhouse for, I mean, and you have to remember these guys spend eight months out of the year together. And that's a long time to spend it, a group of 30 plus other individuals. They really are your family. And I thought Ozzy said it best, whether you're on the best streak of your life or you're in the middle of an O for 20 uh, snit is the same guy every single day and you're absolutely right he deserves all the credit in the world i'm not sure there's a person in the entire braves organization who deserves this more than he does uh, being around the organization for 40 years now uh, just just an awesome moment for him to get to hoist the trophy tonight he absolutely deserves it and i i find myself wondering a bit about snicker in a specific way right like obviously on this podcast and you know each of us individually and others have been critical of his decision making in the past right but this is the second straight postseason for sure possibly more than that but at least for the last two where sticker very clearly outmanaged the guys across the way from him right and it speaks to the articles that came out you know like you know like Snicker is like an old school manager. He's anti-analytics and he's still succeeding or whatever. I think that really undersells him because every season he has been in that chair, he's gotten better. There's no question about that. He's been from day one, those guys would run through a wall for him. And that is a absolutely invaluable skill. It's not something you can, you know, you can quantify and it's not something that, you know, is it always going to matter on in every game? No, but it speaks to how much his players love him and being able to play hard for a guy and want to win for a guy that much means a lot. But more than that, like he's not like crazy anti-analytics. He's constantly learning. He's constantly getting better at his decision-making process. And this is a guy who's been in the game for 40 years. He could easily just say, I'm just going to do it my way and, you know, forget the rest. And that is not what's happened. It's just not. He's got, again, sometimes he drives us crazy and that's fine, but he's gotten better every single year. And he outmanaged Dusty Baker in this series. He heavily outmanaged Dave Roberts in the Dodgers <laughs> series. Yes. Heavily. I mean, like the, Roberts found special ways to punt that series, but, it speaks to snit. It's spe it, I, I think it undersells him that he's just an old school manager that just happened to get it done. It's he's better than that. And, you know, I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for, you know, going this long and just being able to win and have all of his guys being so happy to get a ring for him. I mean, I'll just echo what all of you guys said. He's, he's the heart of the Braves and, you know, I'm thrilled that he got a ring. Yeah, that's, it was very, very cool to see everything that was happening there in the celebrations. And uh, 
I got a text from a friend and right, pretty much right after, but uh, in the middle of a lot of the television coverage, and it was like, I think the quote was, I could watch this stuff all day. And, uh, you know, we didn't do that. We wanted to get the podcast going at least reasonably, reasonably fast, but look behind the curtain. Uh, normally in the playoffs, we've kind of been recording within like two minutes of the final pitch. And on this night, we did not do that. We all kind of took a, took a beat and watched and unfolded uh, and really enjoyed the win. Still tried to record at a reasonable hour. You know, Eric and I, it's it's 1 a.m. where we are, but uh, nobody's sleeping very well tonight, if at all. I, you know, I have to work tomorrow, but it is what it is. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Sleep for a week, least, Brad. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Um, oh, we should mention, nothing uh, detail-wise is official, but the Braves did announce that the, the parade will be Friday, so not a whole lot of lead time. I hope they were, I hope they were, I hope they were planning ahead of time for the parade. I'm assuming they were, but... Uh, Mike Conti of 92.9 The Game and uh, Hawks Radio Network and Atlanta United, all that, all that stuff, kind of insinuated that it was going to be a long parade route. Uh, I read that to potentially, I want to say potentially mean that maybe they'll try to go from downtown all the way to the Battery, which is a long way, but uh, that'd be fun. Uh, I know Scott is not going to be uh, hmm. down the street from the parade. I was going to say, do you boys, yeah, he's do flying. You boys Scott's have a, flying in, everybody. <laughs> have a couch. Maybe I'll fly in on Friday morning. If I can crash on one of your couches, I'll be there. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be insane. I mean, obviously, this celebration is going to go on for a while. I don't know what we're going to do on the podcast. We'll, we'll be around. We don't uh, we don't ever just take the offseason off, uh, but we'll, we'll be here. We'll probably do some retrospective stuff, some lookbacks. Uh, I guess we should also shout out – we did it once already, but – uh, Alex Anthopoulos for just you know overhauling the roster and making all the moves yep. that made this happen and crushed it. Unfortunately, it was reported. I think it was uh, a couple of different places tonight that Alex actually has COVID and is in Atlanta. Just a brutal thing for, for that to happen. I'm sure he's. Uh, I mean, ho- hopefully he's healthy. Number one, but uh, if he is healthy and feeling okay, I'm sure he was uh, doing some fist pumps and wherever he happens to be this evening. I wish he had been on the field. That's the only thing that I think we could probably want to change about this, about this night is that uh, the architect probably should have been there. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't. But clearly, 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 this does not happen without the moves at a deadline. Uh, they would have been, uh, you know, dead man walking at that point in time. And, you know, I'll, I'll own it. I think we've probably all did it to some extent. There was, there was a whole discussion. It, it seems so quaint now. There was an entire discussion about whether the Braves should buy or sell the deadline and they won the world oh Series. we we talked about what could they get for Charlie Morton on this podcast I mean, yeah but... and honestly <laughs> yep, I, th- yep. I, I will stand by thinking that was reasonable because again this team was under 500 in August yep. Yep. it's insane I mean truly the ride that they have been on um and that's not to understand how good they were because by the end at, at their full form this was not a, you know, I wouldn't describe this as, as some sort of a, some sort of lucky win. Like this was a fully formed, very, very, very good baseball team by the end. But looking back, you know, August is not that long ago, man, and they were below 500. So to have the whole run, and they there, didn't give up anything. And that's that's the craziest part. I mean, Anthopolis, you know, he overhauled the entire outfield without giving up pretty much anything at all. And you know, Eddie Rosario, which we talked about a lot in the last series in particular. But turning turning Pablo Sandoval into Eddie Rosario is like hilarious in every way. Still, I mean, shouts to Pablo. Give give the man a ring. He earned it, um, yes. both yeah. on the field and for the trade. But like that stuff is just the stuff of legend, and that's the little stuff that you have to remember. And that you know we're diehards. We'll think we'll, we'll be thinking about the names that were associated with those trades. They'll yeah. probably make the rounds on Braves Twitter forever. And I feel bad for those prospects that were like not big deals, but they'll be they'll be remembered by Braves fans because they were <laughs> traded for these guys. So, shouts to Alex as well. I mean, I, I hesitate to uh, 
credit Liberty Media too much and Terry McGurk mm. for too much, but we can't uh, go off brand too much here, Brad. No, we got to stay on brand. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, we, yeah, we, no talk, uh, we talked about screw, it. We talked yeah, about the, anno- the the annoyance of having McGurk uh, be the first person talking tonight. That's a very. Uh, I will Ooh. say, in their minor defense, that's a pretty much every sport has that happen. It's always annoying, but like. How is it in the NBA? How is it in the NFL? It's always like, oh, here's the owner. It's like no one wants to hear yeah. from the owner right Ooh. now. No one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Anthopolis, uh, I mean, going back to Frank Wren even, like the, the, the tentacles of this team can be felt all the way yeah. back to that. Fred, you know, Freddie's been around for that long. Like that was a different regime. John Hart was like, I guess, in charge for a little while. <laughs> uh, you know, all of that. <laughs> Quote, unquote, back. in charge. And that's yeah, what it sure. means. That's why I said, I guess. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was John Coppola's babysitter and he fell yeah, asleep. He and let the he, kid he get he a did. hold of the scissors to cut his hair off. Apparently so. But I mean, uh, Freddie Freddy Gonzalez, like, you know, I'm not saying he gets like a ton of credit for this, but he was the manager when, a lot, when some of these guys were on the team. Uh, yeah. This whole, this whole run. Uh, it's crazy that they've actually been good for a long time now. I mean, they've been a division champion uh, four, four, years, four years in a row, but yeah. uh, it's a special night, man. We could talk about this stuff forever. We can go three hours. We're, I, I've been seeing Twitter on uh, during this podcast. People ask us to go for three hours. We could probably do that. It'd be totally incoherent. It probably already yeah. is tonight. We're all kind of all over the place. I know I am, but uh, I don't know. Anybody else have anything else, hmm. anything else to add on this evening? Just a, what a run it has been. And the, you know, doing this podcast every week, let's be real. There were some times in May and June and July, and even beginning of August. And we're sitting here asking, man, is this team is just, just not the year, right? They had so many injuries and, and, and roadblocks along the way. And the one constant was, you know what? They're not that far out of the division. And thank goodness the Mets and the Phillies did not have good years and, and allowed the Braves to stay in the hunt until they finally figure things out there that second week of August. And you always hope that whenever your team is going to make the playoffs, we all know so well that there's always that underdog story of a team that gets hot at the right time. And damn it, that was the Braves this year. And to go 11 and five in the postseason against three really good teams, they went 23 and seven over their last 30 games between the regular season and the postseason. 23 and seven. They had those two really tough losses against the giants in San Francisco. And after that, they went 23 and seven. One of those losses was the hangover loss to the Mets. Um, I mean, just a, where no one a, played by the way, right. Where no one was there. Yeah. Everyone was hung over and swinging at the first pitch, trying to get things over with. We're um, still drunk. So you, right. Yeah. And probably half the roster's well, case. And, yeah. And also not to, not to steal your thunder, but it's worth pointing out that that 23 and seven came against the best of the best. I mean, you're playing against playoff teams. It's just not, mm-hmm. you're not beating yeah. up on the Marlins for half of those games. Like you're playing, you know, good opponents for the vast majority of those 30 games. And to be that yeah. hot and that good, it's just, it's even crazier. Well, and then you throw in a West coast road trip. I mean, this team had every right to be exhausted by the end of the year that they could have made excuses, or I'm sure we could have, talked ourselves into excuses as to why this year wasn't going to happen, but just an all-time great trade deadline. Alex Anthopoulos gets all of the credit in the world. Truly one of the greatest trade deadlines of all time, regardless of Braves or not. I would have a hard time imagining if you went back finding many deadlines better than what he put together. Uh, This team just found a way to do it, and they're World Series champions. I hope everyone truly just takes a moment to Take this all in tonight. These are special moments, as we know. They're not moments that you can just count on happening. 
who knows the next time they're going to have a chance to, to win a World Series. But as far as tonight goes, it was just an incredible evening, uh, a great team, such an easy team to root for. And, oh, man, the Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. It feels good to say. Yeah, I've got a couple things. One, uh, I think we can all agree, thank God the Braves didn't listen to Brad and that they didn't trade away to Ozzie Albies to a team that thought... Here that, we go. <laughs> that he could there play shortstop is. for. There hey, I got, I, look, if you think I'm not going to continue the bit on this show, you've lost your minds. That's fine. Um, uh, I, yeah, but, we, we all we all have our things, and that's 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 <laughs> that is one of mine. So I'll take it. It's fine. We're good. Uh, the other thing is that but before we started this series uh, during the previous show I talked about how special and crazy a run this has been um, and that I wanted all of our listeners to cherish this as a gift win or lose because like you for you remember World Series win or lose forever and it's such a big deal and just to see all the people at the battery and at the stadium and just like so many of these people were going to their first World Series game and so many people were like getting to experience that feeling that we all had. We were very young. I mean, I was 11 years old, sharing a bedroom with my brother, watching Marquise Grissom catch the final out in 95. And again, at 11 years old, I mean, like, you know, I don't exactly have a full appreciation for sports at that point in time. Um, but at the same time, like I, that image is burned in my brain forever. And I hoped that everyone was going to understand just how awesome a thing, what you're getting to experience is. And the thing that's blown my mind, uh, and I've talked to Brad and Scott about this, is that people are taking the time, people took the time to celebrate during the celebration of getting to the World Series, as well as tonight. I have, I counted while kind of things were happening towards the end of the show here. Um, I counted at least 40, it's probably more than that, DMs or tweets. And they weren't just like looking forward to the podcast. People took the time. Amidst all of this, again, we haven't, there's not been a World Series win for Atlanta since 1995. And they're saying thank you for the podcast throughout all of this. And I just want to say thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, it does, uh, for sure. And, you know, it's been fun. I, I will not speak for you guys, but Eric, Eric spoke for himself. I, I know Scott can add it if he wants to, but it's really been fun. I mean, we, we've done this forever. We've poked fun at it about how it was a grind uh, when they were bad, and it was a very different show then. And, you know, I, I started this podcast with Carlos Colazzo, who went on to bigger and better things and is, is awesome and is, I think, listening to this podcast. Shouts to you, Carlos. Um, and then we kind of formed it into what it is now with, with the three of us. And now we've added in Sean and uh, guests along the way and led by Chris and everybody else. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. I think the support has been fairly overwhelming as, as Eric said there, and we're not going to go anywhere, but uh, this, this run is uh, unmatched in terms of, I mean, I think we've done, I think we did, I counted it up with Chris the other day. I think we recorded, it was like 33 or 34 podcasts in the month of October between all of us. Um, on one fee, which is uh, rather uh, rather a lot. Sound feels like it, yeah. Uh, and then you know, just the years of it, and you know, this is episode three twenty seven technically, but you know, there's more more than that. There's emergency episodes and extra stuff. It's a lot of content, and I really appreciate. It. I mean, the outpouring has been, like Eric said, has been pretty crazy 
to hear and it's uh it's unique uh and i don't have any else, anything else to say other than just the uh, the appreciation is real and we definitely thank everybody for for supporting the show we're, we're not going anywhere for sure but uh that's a that's a good thing to uh definitely express is that it's been uh, it's been a wild ride yeah it has and i mean we we say it and i i sincerely mean it i know brad and eric and sean do too uh you guys supporting the show has been incredible when we were doing these years ago, I don't think we ever expected the podcast to get to, to the level where it's at. And, uh, you know, I can speak for myself personally. I'm, I'm out here on the West Coast and I can name on one hand the number of, of people I know who are also Braves fans. I'm, I'm not in Atlanta. Uh, everywhere I look, I don't see somebody in a Braves hat. So to have the podcast as a way to get involved with, with such a national fan base and, of course, so many of them in the Atlanta area uh, has been really special and we really do appreciate all the support. These uh, these podcasts have been a lot of fun. Even last year when they finally broke through and won a series in the playoffs, and then this year they just kept on winning. And I tell you, uh, you know, Brad and, and Eric, you know, a lot of these podcasts get recorded at one, two in the morning, and they're they're uploading and editing, and they're not going to bed till late. Uh, your support is the reason we do it, and we really do appreciate all of it. Uh, and hey, it, it was all worth it, right? Here we are, episode three twenty-seven <laughs> as as World Big Series truth. champions. Uh, we truth. obviously did not have an, a role on the Braves winning the World Series tonight, but I like to think deep speak, down in our hearts, yourself, we had a yeah. little right. We had a little, we had a little, uh, a little say in this one here. But uh, just an awesome evening, and I hope everyone really gets a chance to celebrate this one. And hey, it's it's ten fifteen for me out here on the West Coast. I got plenty <laughs> of time left tonight. Boys, we're gonna. It's gonna are you, be. Are you going one. out right now, Scott? Is it? Is it I might. I did a shot of Liquid Courage about four hours ago, and I couldn't. Bring, I was so nervous during the game, uh, I couldn't bring myself to eat or drink anything else. I was. I was really uh, starting about the fourth inning. <laughs> I started to pace. I also. Well, no, I, I. I. I didn't sit on the entire. I mean, I, I was. I'm not kidding about that. I, I have a standing desk. Well, kind of a standing desk at my at my apartment, and I quite literally didn't, did not sit down from first pitch to mm. final out tonight. Uh, so I, it was I woke up everyone nights. in my house. My, my my wife is a teacher. She's got to be up at like four thirty in the morning. My kids go to school and all that stuff. And mm. that, that when Freddie caught that ball, everyone in this house knew it. It's gonna be uh, an early. Yeah. It's gonna be an early morning. That's for, <laughs> that's for sure. No, I, I mean, I, I've said this, and I, I will not go the whole thing because I will probably cry, which is not on brand for me. But uh, you know, baseball just does stuff to you that you know it is what it is. Sports sports are. Uh, are everything in a lot of, uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think of, you know, it's fathers and sons and like my dad waking me up in 92 and I've told that story yeah. many times, but like, that's the kind of stuff that will get you every time. And Scott used the quote earlier, the, how can you not be rented about baseball quote? And it's wild. I, mean, I just think of all the families that got to watch it together and, you know, you get to teach your kids and that stuff. But I, I don't have kids. Eric does. And uh, Scott, maybe you will at some point, but I, I don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I can, I know what, I know what that's like. So it's, uh, it's pretty wild. And uh, I do appreciate this, this community, uh, all the listeners and especially, uh, especially Eric and Eric and Scott, honestly, uh, I'll thank yeah. you guys on the pod. For I, doing I was looking forward. I was looking forward to talking to you two guys yeah. the most. No, I mean, I like, joked it about just, it on Twitter. It, it was crazy. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking about what, what we were going to say. And I'm like, I, I, I'm going to talk to Eric and Scott about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it's different. I'm, I'm sure you guys noticed and Scott just said it too, about just being where he is, but, um, Eric, I know you are a lot around a lot more Braves fans than, than Scott is. And I know I am too, but like, it's a different kind of discussion that we have. Like, you know, I have friends that are Braves fans that don't think about what 
somebody should do in the sixth inning. Like it's not, you know, and that wasn't what tonight was. Yeah. But it often is, and we're we're very, you know, we're we're very plugged into the stuff and, and diehards. We can argue about things, and we usually agree, but not always. And uh, yeah, it's just it's a very fun uh, community. I, I, I use the word community intentionally because that's that's what it is. So. I thank you both sincerely. Uh, and, and enough of these self and, uh, enough of the self-effacing stuff. We should. Hmm. Yeah, we gotta get back to celebrating here. It's uh, a happy, happy love times. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, guys. Uh, we'll do this uh, much, much more. Again, I don't have a plan. Uh, I, I usually have a plan for the podcast. I don't have a plan. But if you can subscribe to the show, uh, we'll be here. I promise. In the near future. I don't know if it's going to be a daily hammer next time you hear from us. I don't know if you're going to hear from us about a retrospective. Maybe I'll talk Eric into going through all the minor leaguers that were on uh, that were on this team and uh, retrospective all, on all those guys. We have stuff we can get to. Yes. And uh, also, last thing to stay on brand, somebody write Freddie Freeman a giant check today, please. Somebody do that. Go yep, ahead and do immediately. that. Right immediately. Immediately go do it. <laughs> somebody please write that man a very large check. Also, also we miss you, Hank. I wish you could. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. uh, I, I was glad, you know, a very small thing. I was glad that McGurk did go out of his way to to talk about Hank and Phil Negro. Um, and, and Don Sutton, too. Like, all that stuff should be mentioned. Like, it was, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a weird year in that, in that respect. But, yeah, we miss all those guys. And uh, this was fun, fellas. Uh, we'll do it again. But follow, follow Eric, follow Scott. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already follow us. But if you're a new listener, this is your first show. Uh, I'm, thank you, and I'm sorry. I don't know one of those one of those two things for listening to the podcast, but uh, I appreciate everybody. And uh, <laughs> both of those will apply to most people, I guess. Thank yeah. you, and I'm sorry is uh, <laughs> the best way to end the show tonight. For Eric, for Scott, this was fun, and we'll see everybody. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.